Welcome to the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. I'm Crispin Schroeder, pastor of North Shore Vineyard Church. Today on the podcast, we have audio from our Sunday service on April 25th. The title of this message is Ruined. We're going to be looking at Jesus' words concerning the person who finds the kingdom of God. Jesus relates to this as a treasurer, a pearl of great price that is found with joy by the one who finds it. So we're going to be taking a look at that parable today. So thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on the web, northshorevineyard.org, for resources posted Monday through Friday and also a calendar of events and things that are going on in our area with small groups and other things. So here we go. Father God, we, uh, as we come to your word today, we just invite your peace, your presence. God, I pray that, that anything that would hinder us from connecting with you, God, Lord, whether it be circumstances going on in our lives or worries, God, that those things would cease. God, any, anything that would try to keep us from your truth today, God, would be kept at bay this morning. And we just welcome your words into our life, God. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Jesus, in Matthew 13, 44 through 45, two of his uh, smallest parables, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had, and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, and when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. These are two of the smallest parables of Jesus, but they contain a, a very accurate picture of the love of God. I titled this message, Ruin Today, uh, and we had, a, we had a nice song that goes with it, so that's cool, huh? Um, but this is a picture of what it's like to be ruined by the love of God. The picture that Jesus gives us of the kingdom of God is that when you find it, you're, you give up everything else because of the treasure that you've come across. And so I, I thought what better way to kind of explain this than to share a couple of stories this morning of people that are in this actual church. I'll start with my own self. It was 17 years ago that... I found myself in my apartment, and uh, I, was, I was really uh, depressed and alone, and, and I just, I had followed my heart, you know, in my teenage years. I, I, I wanted to be a musician, and I, I just kind of went after that with everything, but I also kind of jumped into everything that that kind of entailed in my little neck of the woods in Midland, Texas, trying to play music in, in bars and stuff, and and. And, and so somehow in the midst of following my heart, I, I still was running. And, and I found myself one night in my apartment, and I was, I was suicidal. I was, I was like either I wanted to kill myself or just get in my truck and, and drive away and, and just try to start over somewhere new. You ever felt like that before? <laughs> and, and I just, I, I was so alone. I got to tell you, the emptiness that I felt 
you know, I would have to keep myself highly uh, medicated, either with alcohol or drugs. Or we having weird issues here? Uh oh. Uh, but you know, we we watched a movie the other night called. Uh, has anybody seen Crazy Heart? Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. He got this uh, best actor for this picture that came out. It was kind of an independent film. We watched that the other night, and uh, if you see it, it's about an old country singer. And it's I can see why he got best actor in this, because you see him, and it's like he's obviously a talented musician, someone who has, has turned out some great songs, and, and, and people love him. But you see him at a point in his life where the music isn't fun anymore. The music doesn't have any heart in it. Now he's, he's an alcoholic, and he's, he wakes up every morning, and, and he just starts hitting the bottle and drinking. And, and, and you get the sense as the movie progresses. It's a, it's a hard movie to watch because I'm like, oh, God, it brings up memories of myself and people that I've known that he's running from pain. He's running from things, and, and the things that used to bring him joy don't bring him joy anymore. And that's, that's the point that I've got in my life. And I remember sitting on my, my couch one night just trying to, to, to drown my sorrows in, in drugs and alcohol, and, 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 I, and I encountered God. You know, sometimes you can encounter God in the weirdest of places. I wasn't watching a televangelist. I didn't have my Bible open. I wasn't in a particularly religious kind of mood, but I stumbled across the treasure of the kingdom of God that night. And there in my room, on my couch, I felt that, that God was saying, where are you going tomorrow? When you run out of this bottle of whiskey, when you run out of that bag of pot, <laughs> what then? It was the first time in my life where I, 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 I started realizing that I was running. I wasn't going anywhere. I was running from stuff. I was so afraid of the pain on the inside. I was so afraid of these things in my life. I was so empty. And that night, I just felt the love of God, like right where I was. I was a mess, a complete mess. And God loved me right there. And you know what? That night, I responded to God. I said, God, I, I have no idea why you would take me. I have done nothing but make a complete mess of my life. But if you'll take me, I'm yours. And that night, I gave up everything else, and I followed God. That was 17 years ago. I said, God, you're, you're the sinner. And so that's what I did. You know, there's another guy in the church. I met him. I mean, I met him a few years ago, but I had lunch with him last summer, and I'd never heard his story. And we're at lunch, and, and I love hearing other people's stories of how they encounter God. Do you ever, you just love, you need to do that. If you've if you got some people in here that you haven't got to know yet, go have lunch and, and say, what's your story? Tell me how you encountered God. This guy began to share his story with me. He said that for... Um, over 30 years, he raced sailboats professionally, or, or not professionally, whatever, competitively. Is that right? Were you a professional sailboat racer? Semi-pro, okay. So I knew I was going to butcher details when I start getting into other people's stories. But raced sailboats for over 30 years, and he told me that that became the obsession of his life. Every weekend, it was sailboats. And when he didn't have his sailboats in the water, they were out of the water. And, and, and every year he would rebuild them in the winter. He would take them apart, work on things, and put them back together again. It dominated his life. And he took that dream as far as it could go, even won a national championship in sailboat racing. Went as far as it could go. But he told me, he said, you know what, Crispin? He said, for 30 years, 
I was a waste of time. I didn't, I didn't do anything for any other person. I was totally self-absorbed. It was all about me. And he said, you know, I took that dream as far as it went, and there was nothing there. And he said, you know, he, he re, re, relayed how one night he came to the Kinder Vineyard several years ago when we were over on Williams Boulevard, and we were singing, actually singing the song Ruined. He said, you know, that, that, those words, he said, that did it for me that night. He said, that captured it. He's like, I'm never going back. He has completely altered his life. Instead of him being at the center, Jesus is at the center. He found the treasure that was worth giving up everything else for. And so now, now his life's living a completely different way. That's Al LeBlanc, the guy who uh, we have our little Tuesday night meeting at, uh, at his house, uh, our Bible study. There's another woman that goes to this church who, about 14 years ago, she bumped into the treasure of the kingdom. About a month, that, on, the, on the night that it happened, it was a Saturday night, and she'd walked into this church, and little did most people know that a month before, she'd actually been in a club in Slidell beating a girl up on the dance floor. Her life had become consumed with, with rage and anger and depression. She was just, you know, stuff from her childhood. Her brother had just died a couple of years before. She was just really going through it trying to get through college, but trying to keep herself isolated from the pain that she was feeling. And then one night, she bumped into Jesus, and she responded to him. She's never been the same. In fact, 10 months later, I married that girl. It was Dina, my wife here. (laughs) Three days before you came in there, you were fighting somebody? Dang. So she was a... And I... Nobody was in Slidell that night, right? That was here? Okay. <laughs> it was Nicole. Dang. Oh. That was you. Okay. Uh, but, you know, 10 months later, we ended up getting married. And I wrote a song for her on the day we got married called Daisy. And the line in it, uh, in the chorus is, you're a daisy in the cracked sidewalk. And I really believe that that was a, a picture that God gave me of her. I felt that God was saying, I am bringing something out of a hard, broken place, like concrete that's cracked. I'm going to bring life and beauty up. And, you know, that's what I've seen. She's, she's a daisy coming out of hardness and brokenness. She found the treasure of the kingdom, and it's changed her life. These are just a couple of examples. I, we, we could just spend all morning talking with people who have have encountered the treasure of the kingdom. But one thing I want to look at this morning is that in these these words of Jesus, there's a combination of of sacrifice, great sacrifice, and joy. Both 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 parts of this parable, the merchant and the other guy. What's the other guy? Uh does he have a occupation? Well the man. The man and the merchant. Um both of them gave up everything for the treasure that they found. But what I love is Jesus says, when the man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. In his joy. You know, when you find the kingdom of God, you do. You throw everything into it. It's a treasure worth throwing your whole life into. 
And you may think, if you haven't experienced that before, you may think that, dude, my whole life, like everything, that's crazy. Like, that's a big sacrifice. But you know what you see in this? You don't see a response that the the guys in these parables, that, that they had second thoughts, that they had to psych them up. No, it was the joy, the joy of what they had found. The joy was the fuel. You know, when I tasted of God's unfailing love, I was ruined. There, I, I was like, what else is there in life? What else is there? It was joy. See, a lot of times we tend to think that, that Christianity is, is kind of something we can add to our life, like a hobby. Like, like you know, I'm going to join a softball league or a bowling team this year. And we think of, of Jesus as something we can just add to our life. Like, I'm going to add spirituality. I bump into people all the time that... Uh, you know, they've been married for a few years and they start having kids. And all of a sudden, when they start having kids, they start thinking, you know, we need to go to church now because that's what you do when you have kids, right? Because your kids need to go to church, right? Anybody ever felt that way before? But but understand, if if Jesus, if you haven't found the treasure yourself and you're just kind of taking your kids to church because you feel obligated to, then all you're doing is inoculating them from church, all you're doing is basically showing them that something's important that you don't really value in your own life. And kids can get that. They're pretty smart. Got any smart kids in here? No smart kids. Okay. Well. <laughs> oh, got one back there? Okay. <laughs> but there's this sense that we can just add a little spirituality to our life. Like, I'm, I, you know, I, th- I think I could be a little bit more spiritual person. I like the idea. I like Jesus was such a loving, friendly guy. I w- I'd like to add a little bit of that to my life. Well, that's not what we get the sense of in this parable. We get the sense of people who have abandoned everything for the joy that they've encountered, for the treasure that they see. It costs everything, but it comes from a place of joy. Actually, I love this. Hebrews 12 Verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finish of our, our, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's actually some theologians who think that these parables that I'm talking about aren't really our response to the kingdom, but actually Jesus, it, we're the joy, we're the pearl, we're the treasure. Now, I don't know about that, but I know that this verse says that Jesus, everything he did, the cross, the alienation, the betrayal, the suffering, why did he do it? It was pure joy. It was love. He, he, he had you and me, a whole lot of other folks in front of him. And that's what compelled him to go through the hardest of times. It was joy. It's the same thing that's true for us in the kingdom of God. You know, when I was, uh, I've shared this occasionally if you've been around here. But when I was about 13 years old, I decided that I just wanted to be a musician when I grew up. And uh, I still want to be a musician when I grow up. Uh, (laughs) But I love music. There was something about music that just connected with me. And I was just like, man, that's what I want to do. And so it meant that I spent my time differently than a lot of other people that I knew. 
it meant that I didn't care if I had a real cool looking car, you know, a sports car, like, you know, some of the other kids wanted like, you know, cool looking cars. I didn't care how cool my car looked. I just wanted a car that could carry music equipment. It meant that if you've ever seen me play basketball or football before, it's a sad thing to watch. It really is. I ain't lying. I was mentoring a kid in Kids Hope down in Kenner. You know, I mean, he's in fifth grade, and I was having, like, how do you throw a football? <laughs> I was there to mentor him, and he was mentoring me on, on basketball and football and stuff. But the, the reason I don't know how to play basketball and football is because while other kids were playing basketball and football, I was messing around with keyboards and effects pedals and writing songs and figuring out how to distort my voice and, and recording stuff on my jam box. My whole life conformed to the thing that I love. It, it, it was the fuel. It wasn't, it wasn't a hassle. It wasn't like, oh, man, I got to go, you know, get a new instrument or this. No, it was, it was a joy. My whole life conformed to that because that was something that I loved. Now, how much more when we find the kingdom of God? You know, I... Uh, there's a there's a movie Dina and I actually got to go on a an actual date about two weeks ago. It was cool because we hadn't had like an actual date in a in, in a long time, and uh, it was like a it was a Monday date too, like a daytime date. So because the kids were in school, so that was cool. And um, we went and saw this movie um, date night, but we saw it during the day, a day date. But um, Tina Fey and Steve Carell, Steve Carell. And um, in this movie, the couple played by Steve and, and Tina, they're, um, they've been married for many years. They got some kids. And they, there's a, a couple, a, a friend of theirs that, you know, meet with them individually. And they say, you know, hey, we're going to get a divorce. And they're like, they're shocked. Like, why are y'all getting a divorce? They said, well... We're just kind of bored with things. It's like we've become good roommates, you know, and it's just there's no, like, spark to, to our love anymore. And so Tina Fey and Steve Carell, Carell's characters end up kind of, you know, this little seed of doubt is planted in them that, you know, hey, they've been married as long as we are. they got kids. They're kind of going through this. Are we destined to have that same thing? So the underlying premise of the movie is can you have – a committed long-term relationship, and still have joy. And I won't spoil the way the movie ends. You know, it's, it's a real unpredictable movie. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but the way that I would answer that is yes. Yes, you can have a committed long-term relationship, and you can still have times of just, you know, spontaneity and fun and, and, and enjoying your spouse. It's going to be a little bit different than when you had the butterflies in your stomach when you first met, but you can. But sometimes, you know what? You just got to take a break and remember. Remember the treasures that you found. You know, Dean and I, we, we actually, two weeks in a row got dates. We got a date this weekend. We had a friend of ours in Kenner who wanted to take both of our kids for the weekend. So we had like Friday and Saturday up until like 6 o'clock that n last night. It was like we didn't even leave home. It was like a vacation. It was really cool. And But, you know, a lot of what we were doing uh, Friday night, we were just remembering why we love each other. 
We were remembering that. You know, we were talking about stories. We were talking about how far God has taken us and all the struggles that we've been through. But we were remembering, like, like we really dig each other. We're really, like, each other's biggest fan, you know? And in spite of all the hard times and the kids and schools and, you know, all these things, like, like we really love each other. Jesus tells the church in Ephesus in, in Revelation chapter 2, he says, he said, you know, your, your problem is, he's like, you're a good church. You're doing a lot of things good. <laughs> but he said, your problem is you, you've forgotten your first love. You've forgotten the treasure that you found. You've, you've forgotten that. Remember that again. And I suspect in here that there's, there's probably two kinds of people. Either, number one, you, you haven't found the treasure. Maybe you've kind of seen it from afar. Maybe you've dug up a little bit and you kind of see something. You haven't really found it, though. Or responded to it. Or else, maybe you're, you're in the other category of you've been a Christian a long time. You found that treasure years ago, but, but you just have neglected your first love. You, you kind of forgot what it's about. You kind of forgot why it is you gave up everything in your life in the first place to follow Jesus. Maybe, you know, sometimes even in your marriage, you know, people that have, have you ever seen people that have, uh, they renew their marriage vows? Anybody ever done that in here? Okay. I do those ceremonies. Um, $50. Uh, no. I'm a card-carrying pastor now. <laughs> but sometimes people actually get to a point in their marriage where they want to renew their vows. And, and why do they do that? I mean, why? You already got married. Why would you want to do that again? It's to remember their first love, to remember why, why the heck did we get into this thing in the first place? They're returning to their first love. I think we need to do that with God. Because, you know, the reality is you can get in those ruts in your life, just like you can get in marriage with anything that you do consistently. You can get in that rut where you just like, it's pointless. It doesn't feel spontaneous anymore. It doesn't feel exciting. But the cool thing about God versus your spouse the moment you're ready to remember your first love, he's ready too. Your spouse might take some, you know, it's another person, another human. <laughs> and so you may have to work through some issues. But you don't have to work, you know, God doesn't have any issues, okay? That's a, that's a good truth you can take with you. God doesn't have any issues with loving you. He just does. You know, it was probably last year, about this time, uh, we had an interesting family conference in the bathroom of our house. I'm not sure why it ended up the bathroom, but Tevia was crying because we had just said a, a couple of weeks before that we were going to plant a church. And it took us many years to get to a point where we actually felt like it was time to do this, like God was actually saying, okay, go for it. And we finally felt like we had kind of come to the spot where God had said, it's time, go do it. And so we finally responded to that. But you know what? As hard as it was for me and Dina to get to that, that, that conclusion, because it was scary. Because let me tell you, my life in Kenner was good. I liked my church. I liked what I was doing. We were involved in the community. We'd been there for seven years. We were happy. It wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, ah, I could start a better church than this. <laughs> I mean, it was like, dude, I love what I'm doing. But we knew that it was time to do this. And Tevia was crying that night because 
all of a sudden the reality was it was starting to hit her that we were going to have to move. Like she was going to have to leave her friends. We were going to come to this strange place on the North Shore called Covington. And we were going to start a church. And she wouldn't know anybody. And it would be a weird place. And why do we have to do this? Why now? I mean, Tevye had a much better social life than me and Dina combined at, at age 10. <laughs> she had a lot more to sacrifice. But you know what I told her that night? I said, Tevye, I said, if you can take anything away from, from me and your mom, if you can get anything Get that following after the kingdom of God is worth it. It's worth more than anything else. Jesus says if we seek first his kingdom, he's going to take care of everything else. And if you can get anything from our life, if we can teach you anything, I hope you get that. I want Tevi to find a good guy someday and marry and, and maybe even go to college and get a degree. But, you know, all that stuff doesn't matter if she doesn't get this. That the kingdom of God is the treasure that's worth throwing everything else away for. Because when God's at the center, when he's the treasure, all that other stuff's going to be taken care of. But that's what it's all about. And I told her, babe, I know this seems hard for you. It's hard for me and your mom right now. But I want you to get that what we're doing here, it's not some random kind of thing. It's not like a good career move. It's, it's nothing based on that. <laughs> not yet, at least. Uh, <laughs> but it's worth it because we found a treasure we found a treasure that's worth giving up everything else for. We're ruined. I mean, we could stay here in Kenner and keep going to this church, but once you feel God is calling you on, once you've got a glimpse of that, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be absolutely miserable if you try to do that. You know, there's been a couple of times in my Christian walk where I've tried to go back to my formal life before. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like, I'm like, I remember a time when this used to be fun. It's not fun anymore. It's not me. God's transformed me. So I just want to close today. I want to close today by singing a song together called uh, No Other. And I'll bring my partial band back up here. And, um, and I just want you wherever you're at today. If you haven't found the treasure, this might be a good day to just respond to God and say, you know, God, I've seen that treasure from a distance. And, you know, I'm ready. I'm ready to give up everything. I, 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 I see it for what it is, the kingdom of God. But maybe you're in here and you just say, man, I've, I've forgotten what God's about. I've forgotten why I got into this. I am just kind of showing up to church because, hey, it's, it's what you do or whatever. Or maybe you're just in a great place with God and, hey, just celebrate that. It's okay to be in a good place with God, okay? And just to, to worship from that vantage point. But let, let's just sing one one last song together today. You can sit down or stand up or whatever. It don't matter. But let's just close with this.